Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode number 23 of the Son of Man podcast. And today we've got a super interesting interview with Kerry Cope, and she's an incredibly smart woman who studied uh, the motifs and the themes in the Bible. She comes from a literacy and English background where she um, studies that and teaches that. And now she's taken all that knowledge and applied it to the Bible. She talks about how we can study the Bible to better understand the, the themes and the, uh, the intentions between uh, about what the biblical authors originally wrote and how we can apply it to those li- our lives and how we can study it and get a better picture. So whether you're intermediate, beginner, advanced, uh, wherever you're at with your Bible studying journey, I really believe you're going to go to the next level after listening to this podcast. So I don't want to waste your time. Without further ado, here's episode number 33 with Kerry Cope. All right, Kerry Cope, welcome to the Son of Man podcast. How are you? Doing well, thanks. So thank you for having me, Paul. It's good to be here. Yeah, well, thanks for jumping on. Um, today we're going to be talking about your book, There's Always Water in the Wilderness. Um, but before we do that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and just a little bit about your background? Sure. Uh, like you said, I'm Carrie. I live just north of Los Angeles, California in the United States. I have taught high school for over 25 years now. I teach Spanish, uh, English literature, and I've taught Bible Um, My academic background is in English primarily. I did graduate work in in English and then also a graduate degree in apologetics. So philosophy, Mm -hmm. theology, biblical studies. Um, And yeah, that's that's kind of the short version. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, Before we... Before we dive deep into your book, why don't you tell us a little bit like about the, I didn't send this question to you, but I just thought about, why don't you dive, us, dive into a little bit about your book and like what it's about and sort of the background behind it a little bit? Yeah, sure. So um, it's, a, it's a literary pl- approach to a couple of motifs in the Bible. So several years ago, I started thinking about the fact that we get all these different significant meetings in the Bible that take place at wells. Um, and as a, as a literature teacher, if I'm teaching a novel and you have these characters and they keep meeting up at the same place, I would ask why <laughs> and kind of dig into that a little mm. bit. What's, what's that well doing there over and over? Um, so I thought it would be really interesting to, to trace all those different appearances of wells and in particular when people met up at a well um, in scripture and kind of see what larger meaning I could pull out. Um, so I finally had time, <laughs> like an extended amount of time to, <laughs> right. to sit down and do the research and, and dig in there. Um, and, and as I did it, I, I went from wells into the wilderness, um, because a lot of these wells mm. are located in, in wildernesses. And so I started asking myself like, Hmm, I wonder how long, how often, when we get a reference to wilderness in the Bible, do we also get an appearance of water somehow, like a spring or a well or something like that? Um, And as I, so I just pulled every reference uh, to wilderness and started sorting through (laughs) those. Um, Parts of it are kind of tedious on the the research end. (laughs) Um, But as I did that, I found like over and over again, these appearances of water. Mm. And in looking at the wells, I had already discovered that the wells are indicative of the presence of God, which is always Mm. available to us, always given to us. Um, And so in these different wildernesses, we consistently get this water reappearing as just a reminder to us of the fact that God consistently gives us himself. Um, He's present with us. Um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of how I, how I got into it and really where it took me. I was originally thinking of looking at different motifs, um, but I settled in on those two and they, they ended up playing off of each other really well. 
Yeah. Nice. Um, I know there's a lot of, like, I've been looking at recently, there's actually a lot of thought and a lot of, I don't know, hidden, but, like, sort of hidden message, not hidden messages, that sounds bad, but, like, uh, themes, that's the word I'm going for. So, mm-hmm. like, themes and motifs, as you're saying, in the Bible that the writers of the Bible actually put into the stories and everything that I didn't actually know about. And it takes me, to be honest, I don't even notice it when I read the Bible, but watching something like the Bible Project or something along those lines where they actually point out these themes behind the structure of the writing or anything along those lines, I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't even notice that. So I'm excited to talk about some of the motifs you've talked about. But first, um, you talk about a literary approach to the Bible. First of all, what does that even mean? And like, why is that important? Yeah, so I started thinking about that more in, in grad school when I read um, a couple of writers, like um, Leland Riken is one. He was a university professor in, in English, and he did a lot of work on just the different literary genres that we have in scripture. And he talked about the importance of, right. for example, like you don't read poetry the same way that you read narrative or apocalyptic literature right. which we get like in revelation or some other places as well like you yeah. you have you can take like certain skills to each of those types of writing or, or paul you know he wrote letters right so a letter is mm. different from like a poem that we would get in the psalms and so having some kind of knowledge of even how those different um genres function um and what they reveal can can really illuminate meaning for us um i think too that like when we when if we if we accept that the whole bible is inspired by the holy spirit then Mm. even the word choice is inspired the word order is inspired you know that symbolism that is there um and you made a really good point like i think that the authors often were doing something really intentional um Right. In, in the themes that they were appealing to or symbols that they used. And sometimes we don't catch it. Like, you know, there's, there's yeah, certain right. passages that I reread like 10 times. And sometimes on the 10th reading, I would be like, oh, wow. Like, I never noticed that before, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But I think even when we don't notice them, the symbols have their effect on us. Um, and and right. the the Bible is all these different books written by different authors. And so it's, it's that more complex mm. as far as, as far as the, the literature goes. And so taking some of that, right. so taking some of those tools to it, I think can, can help us to pull out, pull out meaning or sometimes just, mm. just like uh, emphasize the meaning that we've already recognized in new ways and in, in ways that just kind of are impactful mm. and moving. Nice. For anyone listening to this, um if they they then understand okay cool there's different themes and structures between all the different literary genres and everything Mm. how does someone like how does someone use that how is that like beneficial to someone and how can someone apply that to their journey with god and reading their bible yeah great question i think i think firstly um rereading and reading really closely mm. is something that I advocate for. So I know, yes. I know for me personally in my own like spiritual life, there, there's certainly 
times and maybe extended times for me where sometimes reading a chapter at night before I go to bed is like, check, I did that, you know? Mm, Um, and maybe I, maybe I, some nights I get, you know, something really something out of it. And other times it's like, okay, I got through that chapter, you know, uh, set aside, (laughs) but, but like reading the same thing over and over again. And I think like starting with the things that are a little more accessible to us, like, for example, when I read a certain chapter and I notice that um, maybe a word is repeated like several times within the span of, of say it's like five to ten verses, then kind of mm. just asking myself questions like, oh, why why is why does he keep repeating the same word? It's probably not because his vocabulary was limited. He's probably you know doing something, <laughs> you know, just little right. things like that. Kind of starting with, I think word choice is is one of the more accessible ones to us um and then for me sometimes with the like the poetry prose thing and prose just everything that's not poetry um so sometimes even in the old testament there's places where you get you know Mm -hmm. it's it's just written in normal language and prose and then you'll get this switch into poetry um so just noticing those shifts um and and kind of asking why it's there I think mm-hmm. I think often for us like the process the like attempt to dig into it is even more valuable than like landing on an answer right. if that makes sense. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, today, as we're recording this, a podcast episode is releasing with Chad Mansbridge, who talks about her uh, hermen. Uh, I forgot the word. Basically, the study of the Bible in like the context. That's the one. Yes, yeah, thank you. I, I actually l- I listened so to it basically- earlier. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah. So yeah, so we released that today, and I, what I learned from him, I asked him what the best Bible translation is. Well, mm-hmm. I knew that's not a good question, but I just thought I would see what he says about it. Yeah. Um, and he said basically whatever one you're going to read, right? And <laughs> yeah. the, the reason I point that out is because you mentioned when you're diving into themes of the Bible, that word choice is a big, important topic. And so I'm wondering if you have any thoughts or opinions on um, just about translations. Do you think there's differences that are worth, like, is there some you'd just be like, oh, I don't really agree with these ones. Is there any ones to look at? What are your yeah. thoughts on, like, choosing a translation? Yeah, yeah I, I do have an opinion on it. And I think, like, <laughs> I, I think it can be, and, you know, like, I, I don't disagree that, yeah, you need you should read it, and so whatever one you're gonna read is 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 good. Well, maybe not whatever, because there's some right. not so good. Um, but there's some that are some that are paraphrases, like you know the message, right. or um, like the Living Bible is is more of a paraphrase, um, and those those can be good. And then there's there's like the NIV New International Version, mm. which is um, yep. it's a good translation. It's 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 more readable. Um, so it's not right. quite as close to the original Greek and Hebrew. So I, personally, I think like when you're really, really digging in to, to want to study more, um, the versions that are close to the original in terms of word order, um, and even trying to get the specific word, um, obviously that's hard to do cause you know, all in translation. Um, right. but I, but I think those can be really helpful for that kind of study. So like, uh, um, I've always used New American Standard, um, and it's it's pretty close. Um, but there are several, like uh, e- the ESV English Standard Version. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one called the Net Bible that my seminary professors, some of them, really liked. 
I think it's new English mm. translation. Um, but it's, it's, it's in keeping with the original. Some people find it not as smooth as far as the reading of it. Um, mm. so I, I think it's a good practice to go back and forth a little bit. Um, like read okay. something like the message or a paraphrase or, or the NIV, if that, if that flows more smoothly for you, but then mm. also like for study, like looking at something really closely, I think it is good to, to look at one of the ones that's, that's closest to, right. to the originals. So they have, what I learned is there's like phrase by phrase translations, which or look at the original language in Greek or Hebrew or whatever. And yeah. be like, okay, this is what they were trying to say. This is what it means in English. But then there's also word by word translations that try translate each word more specifically, which makes it slightly harder to read, but mm -hmm. more intentional of what the original author meant. So, would you, do, are you saying then, for most people reading who just want to learn more about the Bible, learn more about God generally, not super in depth, but just get a better idea of God, just whatever they're going to read is a good start. But if you really want to study and dive deep, maybe looking for a more word-by-word -word subject if you want to go in-depth, or word-by-word -word translation if you want to go in-depth. Yeah, yeah. And I think I, I agree with that. Yeah, that, it, like, especially, like, if somebody's a new Christian, I think, um, and I, I think you asked right. that question on the, your other interview. Um, I don't remember how he answered oh, probably, it. Yeah. But but I do think, like, for, <laughs> for, a new, for a new Christian, and maybe somebody who's just, like, not really super into reading and like it if somebody comes right. to christianity and they're they're really like a, into philosophy or you know something like that or literature then right. then they might yep. jump dive right in the deep end as far as like okay what word mm. and what order and all of that but for you know like normal people <laughs> um i think right. it's I think it's a, probably <laughs> a better place to start with a you know something like the message or the mm -hmm. um the new living translation is another one my my pastor from my um church where i used to live has been using that a lot and it, it's a paraphrase right. but it's a really good one um so right yeah nice. um if we go back a little bit we were talking about how important it is to understand like the motifs and themes and stuff within the bible um do you have any tips or strategies on like how to identify it so obviously you said word choice was a big one is there anything you look out for if you're if you're like studying the bible is there any sort of certain common factors that you look out for to identify any themes or anything yeah i mean one another big one um word choice um repetition and then also like right. reading the new testament and or the old testament in light of the new um so for example right. um like all of these things take on greater meaning when read in context of the whole thing um that might sound kind of simplistic right. but like there's so say for example there's a i'll just give an example for the book because it's that's that's easy for me to yeah, come nice. up with yeah, some specifics so so like um abraham sent his servant to go find a wife for his son. Um, and the servant ends up yeah. meeting Rebecca, um, and he meets her at a well. Um, and then the kind of the, what I see as the culmination of all these meetings at wells is Jesus meeting with the Samaritan woman. 
Um, and mm. so Jesus is, he's actually recently left a wedding, which I think is sort of an interesting detail. Um, cause mm. there's, there were all these weddings and, and the, this idea of like the well is this place of like covenant, um, taking place in, mm. in specifically like a marriage covenant. And then you get Jesus coming from this wedding and he, he makes a new covenant, um, with this woman. He, he reveals himself as the Messiah for the first time, like mm. to her, um, right. which has all kinds of significance of its own. But like mm. when I had, I have one chapter where I compare those two accounts and there's a lot of contrast. Right. So like Rebecca was from the right family. Abraham was very specific about like, you need to go to this particular region to somebody, you know, he wanted somebody from his own family line to kind of preserve the purity of, of, of their line. Mm. Um, and it said also that she individually was pure. She had never been with a man, things like that. She was mm. beautiful. Um, and then you get the Samaritan woman who's, you know, had all these husbands and is living with a man who's not her husband. And she's not right. Jewish. She's Samaritan. And the Samaritans were um, Jews had intermarried with others. So there's they're seen as like unpure. Um, and so mm. like that, that contrast, or when you read them like one in light of the other, it, it just magnifies the meaning in that Jesus has come for all of us, um, that there's nothing mm. about us that makes us worthy to be the bride of Christ, um, in the way that, you right. know, Rebecca was seen as worthy. So, yeah, I think like for, for anything that, that we're reading, um, you know, like the more, obviously the more time we spend in it, like the better we're going to be able to right. read in context of the whole thing. Um, no, there's, it's like there, when you watch a movie for the second time, right? Yes. Oh, sorry. Oh, go, please keep going. You Cause that's actually going to be a good bunch. analogy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nah. Yeah. I just, I always remember like I could watch a movie three times and I'm still like figuring out something. I'm like, Oh wow. That's something different. Or you watch like movie breakdowns. And they watched it like multiple times. They're like, oh, I didn't even realize that's what I meant. And you also mentioned context. And now I've read the New Testament a couple of times in my journey. I've been Christian for like seven years. And I finally took the jump to like uh, read the whole Old Testament. And I kind of cheated a little bit. I listened to it as well. That's but, good. Um, that's good. I think it, it definitely puts into perspective a whole bunch of things. Like I'm reading stuff in the Old Testament that I might have already read before. But now that I understand the whole context of the Bible as a whole story, I'm like, oh, okay, now I understand why this is happening. Or when I'm about to go reread the New Testament again, I can be like, oh, that's, they were talking about this in the Old Testament at this point. Or just having a better idea of the context and the structure of when stuff was happening in the history of the Bible and being able to apply that to different contexts and being able to see the similarities. Probably something that's really helpful, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I, I really like that movie example because I think everyone or most people can relate to it. You know, they have a movie that they, they yeah, like right. and they – I don't tend to rewatch movies a lot, but there are some that I've yeah, watched no. multiple times. And if you have – say you have a favorite movie and you want someone else to enjoy it. Um, it could be a, a book even like for people that really love to read. Um, and they might mm. – like you have them watch it with you. They, they can't appreciate mm. it in the same way that you do. Like right. they, they might really like it, yeah. <laughs> right? But there's things that you're getting, and you almost, right. like, really want them to, you know, yeah, love right. it like you do. Um, it's the same way. There's this mm. author that I read. Um, I believe his name is Peter Leithart, and um, he talks about this concept of remembering forward. 
um, which I love that mm. phrase. Um, and he talks about when we come to certain things in the Bible, like we can remember forward and see like this realization. So like when Abraham goes to sacrifice Isaac and then this, mm. you know, ram appears and he has a substitute, like we can remember forward um, to, to Jesus being sacrificed for us. And, and we read it right. like in that light and we understand it so much better. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, like, there's a lot of, oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think we even remember forward in our own lives, you know, because like mm. we've been, we've been promised that God is working all things together for our good. Um, and mm -hmm. so when we go through our own like trials and difficulties and sufferings, like it can give us hope um, if we're able to right. sort of remember forward. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, it's cool. There's definitely a lot of context uh, like similarities between what you see in the Old Testament and then Jesus talking about them or showing them when he was sacrificed. A whole bunch of like stuff that you can see that you only really notice if you understand the whole story of the Bible. Like reading this one book not a, a might not make a lot of sense but when you understand the whole context and that's why i think it was really good for me i was going to chat about it about how my goal like i have a one hour commute to work and so i just chuck on the old testament because some of it's really nice. dry like to be honest like to get oh, through yeah. some of the old testament it's really hard to read yeah, it's rough. And so i just chucked it on an audiobook and just chuck on the audio listen to it an hour each day and it took like a few months but you know after now i can all of a sudden get like this better context of what's going on in the Bible and be like, okay, cool. This is, these books are about this. This is what's happening. They're talking about this when this happened back in the day or like this is, um, what's the word? Uh, painting a picture of what's going to happen in the future. I can't remember the specific word of it, but mm -hmm. they, it's foreshadowing is a lot Kinda. easier to understand. Thing. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. No, actually I think that was what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, it just helps having a g general overview of the whole Bible is so much more is well it's just so helpful, and that even if you do just listen to it through audio, because obviously I didn't get the best comprehension from it. I don't, I can't, you know, tell you specific things that happen in the Old Testament. And I still might not know like everything, but now it's knowing the big picture, and then I can go on later and like iron out all the details and everything. Um, so that's great. Um, a big part of your book is about wells, and we've already mentioned it, so let's jump on that. Uh, talk about motifs and wells and stuff. Obviously, it's, it's a big part of your book, so don't say you don't go through all of it. But what are some of the key points and things around that? And what have, what have you learned about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so one of the things I found really early on when I just um, pulled up and I, I used a concordance. So I don't I don't know if you've ever used one or familiar with it, but you can just search a word and it'll pull up all the instances of it in scripture. Oh um, uh, right. And then it'll give yeah. you like the Greek words that are translated that way into English or the Hebrew words. And so mm. what I found pretty early on was that you get several different words that end up translated as well in English. Um, right. So which is pretty interesting because sometimes it's a pit. Um, sometimes mm. it's like a man-made well and sometimes it's a spring. Um, right. and so those, those meanings I think are, are really significant and what mm. ends up happening, like throughout the course of that whole like thread that can be traced of all these different wells or pits or springs is that very yeah. often, um, well, they also had cisterns, um, which they had dug for themselves and, and they, 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 um, 
had to be filled with water or maybe collected rainwater. I don't know how much rain they got. I think it's a similar climate <laughs> to California. Um, we're, right. we're in a really bad drought right now. Um, yeah. But that also was symbolic because sometimes they were dry and sometimes the man-made cisterns would crack um, and they didn't serve the purpose that, for which they were intended. Um, sometimes people hid in them. Sometimes they threw dead bodies right. in them even. Um, so you get mm. like kind of all these different things going on. But when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman, which again, like I think that's the culmination of all of these, he says that he can give her living water uh, that leads to eternal life. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about himself um, being the one that right. leads to eternal life. Right. So I think like throughout the course of, of all those different uh, references and, and all that symbolism that he, that there are these pits that, sometimes are of our own making um, into which we sometimes have fallen. Um, but he, he takes mm. these empty and, and lifeless pits and he fills them with him, himself. And there's this mm. living spring that kind of, that, that animates that, that brings it, that brings it back to life. Um, right. So that was one of the, that was one of the really cool things. Um, mm. Even in, the, even in that narrative of Jesus and the Samaritan woman, there's two different words that get translated well. Um, in English, right. it's you, as far as like all the versions I know of, it's, it's well mm -hmm. all the way through it. Like Jesus sat down by a well because he's tired and the woman comes to the well and you get it repeated right. a lot. But yep. she uses a different word. She uses the word that's also often translated pit. Um, which I found super interesting because another thing, like it's Jacob's well that was given to the Jews and Jacob is this, you know, great patriarchal figure of the Jews. Um, and right. maybe for her, like all those promises of blessing, like that, like she's on the outside of all of that as a woman, right. as a Samaritan, as somebody who's unmarried, um, in unclean in certain ways. And so for her, like this, like culturally, like it's a pit. Um, mm. and, and he offers her this spring that's life giving. So was just, there's cool little things like that as you start yeah. to look at it really closely. So is that sort of like G Jesus using that as a way to illustrate, as you said, sort of how more like how as human, as mortal humans, at least, we we see it as a pit as ourselves and then jesus fills it with the living water as himself yeah and that's sort of the imagery and symbolism behind that right because they're you know they're ways of mm. like the the other thing about the but you know kind of bringing in the literary approach is you have literal and figurative meaning yep. so the literally like people are you need these wells to stay alive like it's and water is a right. you know something absolutely necessary for life, and so I think like symbolically that Jesus is using them and and God and the Holy Spirit through the inspiration of Scripture to point to these things that where we seek to to fill ourselves places where we seek life, um, and sometimes right. these these places are like broken and dry um, because mm. it, if we're not seeking it in Him, it ends up being you know empty. <laughs> Or cracked. Nice. Oh, yeah. Right. Do you, do you see a similar sort of symbolism in other places of the Bible where you see a similar sort of thing? 
Yeah, I think so. There's actually a lot of them that I would love to look at. I don't know right. yeah, how much time I'll devote to it. But like an- another one off the top of my head that I've thought of is stones. Um, mm. You get like the stone that David used to kill Goliath. And then you get the stone that was rolled away from the tomb. Um, stones right. recur a lot. And I, you know, I haven't done the work to, you know, try to figure out what kind of holds those different references together. But that would be one. I think bread could be another because we get a lot of left mm. references to bread. And then the manna. And Jesus compares himself to manna at one point. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of them. Nice. What about yeah. what about the wilderness then? Yeah. Um, Where do you see that? Yeah, I started looking at it closely when I was looking at the um, section of scripture that deals with Hagar and Ishmael. So um, mm. Hagar first, um, when Sarah gave her to Abraham to have a child, um, and she got pregnant, and then Sarah obviously like. That didn't work out well Um, So (laughs) for either of them. Um, And initially, Mm. Hagar, Sarah treats her badly, and Hagar runs away. And she runs away into the wilderness. And when she's in the wilderness, Mm. this spring appears. So I found it Mm. as I was looking at springs and wells. And this angel says, like, hey, here's a spring. He tells her to go back. She goes back. Um, Then when um, Isaac is born, Um, she ends up getting sent away um, by Abraham, but at Sarah's prompting. Um, So she gets, she gets like, and, and again, like I found that the wilderness, sometimes it's this place of like our, our flight or wandering, or it could be like alienation or, you know, suffering. Mm. Um, And so for her, it was, it was a lot of those things. Um, And then this, this spring appeared again, um, and as she's about, she's run out of water, she like sits far away from her son cause she doesn't want to see him die. And the angel says, mm. Hey, look, there's a spring and, and gives her life and, and actually gives her a blessing of like, you're, you're gonna, son, is going to be a father to a, a great nation as well. Um, so that's when I first started looking at it, the wilderness. Um, and it, there's a, mm. there's a lot of references to it, but the Israelites, uh, you probably found listening to the old Testament, like. There's yeah, a lot of right. wandering around the wilderness, right? Like <laughs> yeah. you feel like it's mm. going going on and on sometimes. Um, but in the it's the same pattern, which is part of I think one of the difficulties of like reading the Old Testament is it feel it's mm. so cyclical. Like they sin, right? Like Jesus forget or God forgives them, calls them back to Himself. Um, then they sin again, <laughs> like the same thing goes right. on, like over and over. Um, but then I think we we have the culmination of that in um, mm. Jesus being sent off into the wilderness for forty days. Right. Um, that kind of pulls all of those different wilderness narratives together in a way. Right. It's the sort of like climax of the sort of story about wilderness, right? Yeah, definitely. Just, right. No, yeah, a I see. People, it, I see it that oh. way. Okay. Um, a lot of people nowadays say they go through like wilderness seasons, which I don't know if that gets thrown around in America a lot, but I've heard a few people say it here. I know, what's his name? Um, where's the book? Oh, I 
Oh, uh, John Bevere. That's that's the word. He's got a book about like God, where are you? And it's about people in wilderness seasons, mm-hmm. basically where they feel they're Christians, they believe in God, and they you know they read the Bible, they they're doing solid. Not that that's the standard for a solid Christian, but whatever. Um, yeah. And then they go through this what they call a wilderness season. Apparently, I was talking to someone I'm um, real close with at church, and he says it's actually really normal. Like, for example, your first couple years as a Christian are great. God speaks to you. You get, you get dreams, and, you know, everything's going amazing. But at some point along the journey, people feel like they sort of lose touch with God, and they sort of feel like he's far away. Uh, they feel like he doesn't really speak to them. Um, what are your, th- like, when I say that, what, like, what are your thoughts about in the Bible and people experiencing that sort of season in their life today? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really good application. And we do talk about it in the States as well. I, I feel like lately, yeah. especially, and maybe it's why I'm more attuned to it because of the book, but I hear it all right. the time. Like some, like our experience referred to as wilderness. Um, and I think it, it can be a lot of different things. And the, the biblical wildernesses are linked to a lot of different things. Like I mentioned, our, our, um, alienation. I think they can for us as mm. Christians be times of barrenness, like feeling like feeling like right. we're not hearing from God. Um they can yeah. also just be like times of suffering. Like we go through something really difficult. Sometimes sometimes it's mm. like of our own making and sometimes it's of just right. horrible things that happen to us or we get sinned against. Mm. Um and I think right. that I think that like those things um like we shouldn't, we shouldn't seek them out. Like we should never seek that out. It's like, it's not good suffering, right. um, but it's definitely used by God. Um, and when we, right. when we look at all those examples of wilderness in the Bible, um, he, God doesn't typically like rescue people from it, but he saves them through mm. it. So like he, right. Like you look at Job, for example, which is that's mm, a hard right. book to to deal with mm. and and make sense of um, because it's horrible suffering um, that you wouldn't right. wish on on anyone, right? But but at the end, Job's um, health is restored to him, his you know livestock and mm. whatever all his pro- everything's restored to him, um, but. that's not the climactic point of the book. The climactic point is when he sees God, like, and he recognizes Mm. that he has been seen by God. Um, And so I think like very often God uses those like wilderness times for us um, to cultivate dependence in us. Um, And when we, because we, we recognize our need through them um Mm. like even with um hagar i think we 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 see some of that um this this um this wilderness that's that's it's not to be it's not it's not good it's not to be sought out um but an interesting thing about that narrative is you get a lot of repetition of her being seen and heard um and i think Mm -hmm. that's our that's our primary need um to be known by god and to know him uh, and we see that over and over yeah, again nice. in these yeah mm, could you explain a little bit more you said with the story of job him yeah. at the end where everything's restored and everything isn't actually the climax is actually when he sees god could you just explain that a little bit more what you mean by that 
Yeah, there's this, um, I can't remember exactly, like, the chat. I'm really bad at remembering specific references. Um, no, you're but, <laughs> but towards the end of the book, and it's a, it's a long one, um, you get, like, you know, as he's in the midst of his suffering, you get all his, his uh, different supposed friends coming to him to try to, you know, figure it out and how he can be re- returned to, like, the prosperity that he had. Um, and they think he's doing something wrong. And, and they, right. over and over again, they speak for God. Um, Job, he's really, f- he's really faithful in that he doesn't, he doesn't speak against God throughout it. Um, but he does, right. like, speak directly to God. Um, and he kind of issues mm. his, like, complaint. Um, and at the end, God makes himself, towards the end, like second to last chapter, God makes himself known to, to Job in like a really evident way. Um, and right. he talks about that, um, you know, he was not like his friends who, um, this is, this is paraphrase for sure. Um, but, but who talked right. about God, but he talked, you know, directly to him. And so, um, Job has this like, kind of high where he he refers to like mm-hmm. at, like having seen god um and and that's right. the that's like the peak moment and then after that you get this mention of yeah and he got his you know cattle however many oh, cattle back right. or whatever and his health and all of that <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah but it's kind of like not the point i think even yeah but the crazy thing is that seems like it's kind of still what happens today when people go through their own like similar stories to Job who have stuff and then, you know, they go through a wilderness season with God and they feel like they don't hear from him. And like, as I was talking about my mate who I was talking about before, he, he went through a wilderness season. He said mm-hmm. it's, like, it's pretty normal. And all of a sudden, just out of no- like he stayed faithful. He kept reading the word, he was praying every day. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, sort of, you know, just heaven opens and boom, like he just completely changed. And you can tell the difference. Like you can yeah. see the difference in him. Like it's completely different. And so I think the cool thing is, seeing that happen or well not it's cool seeing it happen to joe but seeing it, ha- it in the bible and then it's still actually what happens today like it's not something that you just see in the bible is like okay cool well that's weird but it's actually what happens to a lot of people these days and so i think it's cool to see in sort of people who are going through at the moment that there is like an end and there is like this climax climactic story that well there's going to be at some point along in that journey right that there's hope and there's going to be some time where god will come and he'll speak and he'll give you dreams and give you visions and all sorts of things that's going to happen at some point in the future it's not just a he hasn't just abandoned you basically yeah definitely and i think like when we like when we come through it i often we can see that he was always he was always there um like when we're in the when you know it's like when we're in the midst of it sometimes we don't feels like our prayers are bouncing off the walls or like we don't like sense him we don't have the emotion uh to to carry us through but i think Mm -hmm. the the cool thing about like what you're describing is like when we remain faithful and we like put our confidence in what we've known to be true like that's solid um and the um, the emotions that we experience are kind of like that right they're like they're up and down um they can't be relied upon to tell us Mm. what's true um but then i think some god gives us like more evident uh an experience of his presence as a gift um and it's a it's like a a great gift when we receive it and then we can we can (laughs) sometimes in hindsight recognize like how he was there 
Um, mm. One of my favorite passages is in Romans um, 5, 3, 3, through, 3 through 5. That's difficult to say. Um, but mm. where it talks about um, tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance brings about proven character, and proven character brings about hope. Right. Hope does not disappoint because the love mm. of God has been poured out through the Holy Spirit in us. And um, like I leaned on wow. that heavily during uh, kind of personal like period of wilderness where we, we lost my brother. He was 47 and died suddenly, um, had two young children. Um, 10 months later, Mm. my, my dad died of a progressive illness and then just like a succession Mm. of like hard, hard things. Um, and I just kind of kept coming back to that and, and really did experience that hope. Um, and, and even like when we like that, like how like suff- basically it says like suffering brings about hope, which doesn't make right. sense. But but I think like <laughs> once we that's have, not a verse you'll put on the wall. Not at all, right? Don't, yeah, it's not on a bumper sticker. Yeah, right. <laughs> Back of your laptop. Right. Um, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't, probably doesn't sell. Um, but mm-hmm. like when we ha- go through that wilderness and those dry periods and come out of mm. them. I think that like just the fact that we do come out of them uh, gives us like these reserves that we can draw on the next time we meet one of those wildernesses. Because uh, I think I think right. they're in- inevitable, um, but the way that we kind of live through them and even struggle through them is is you know a place where we can grow. Mm. Yeah, nice. That's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you mentioned somewhere that our wilderness wanderings are not our are not purposeless. Sorry, but I guess we've kind of already talked about that. So before we go into some rapid fire questions or anything, start to wrap up. Do you have anything you'd want to add on to that, or anything you think we missed? Um, I th- I think we've we've hit a lot of the like key things that I was excited to talk <laughs> right. about. Um, I think I just like would love to just emphasize that idea of like of God always giving us himself. Um, and so like the most right. important thing we can do as Christians is, is seek him. Um, and the, nice. it sounds, it can sound kind of vague and shadowy. Um, but, but even like digging in and reading our Bibles closely, um, learning from mm. people who have walked with him from a long, for a long time, like there, there's things we can do to like seek to know him more fully um and then that like solidifies that hope that we have just that reminder he sees what, us he hears us he's with us you know yeah what what sort of things would you do then if you wanted to seek god more obviously reading your bible is the main one do you have any sort of not so obvious strategies to do that or anything that's maybe not super obvious yeah i think i think maybe one thing that's that's not super obvious is like to take the focus off of ourselves a little bit like we i think we just like humanly have a tendency of like well like you know self-improvement which it's not a bad thing um but i think it should flow out Mm -hmm. of like our knowing our creator better because then we like know the creation better um so like like specifically even like knowing the character of god um and there's a, like a great mm. book I would recommend. It's called um, Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozier. Mm. Um, and it just goes through oh, like, yep. nice. have you heard of it? I don't, 
it, it goes through all the... Uh, I've heard of A.W. Tozer. Yeah. The book there. Yeah, he's really great. I, I like him a lot. But this book in particular mm. deals with all the attributes of God. So, like, God is unchangeable. And, th- and then he goes into, like, okay, so what does that mean for us? You know? So because he's unchangeable, like, we can trust him. Um, and, you know, right. all those different... And whenever I've spent a lot of time thinking about God's character, I always think like i should spend way more time doing this um so it's it's just kind of a little like i think practical yeah Yeah, that's not something i would have actually thought about and not a lot of people actually really brought up ever before so Mm. that's great thank you um yeah wow that was great i i I don't even know if i have any more questions after that (laughs) um (laughs) do you have any other thoughts Ah. Do you have any other thoughts or should I think we're good. I mean, I've I've enjoyed our conversation. Oh, yeah, nice. Um, Well, let's wrap up with some rapid fire questions just to see see what your thoughts are. Um, Do you have a favorite book? Like, what's your favorite book? Well, it's a really hard question for me as as someone who loves books, but. I'll go, yeah, I'll go I was like, going to say, you seem like someone who's read a lot of books. I know. I'll go too. So, like, nonfiction. um, Favorite author, C.S. Lewis. Um, nice. And if I have to pick a book, I'd probably go with The Problem of Pain, which is probably one of the mm. little more obscure ones. Um, it's a short little book, and it's on, like, suffering. Um, like, why right. th- this question that is, like, a roadblock for a lot of non-Christians, like, how can there be a good God when there's so much evil in the world? It deals with that. Right. Um, that one. Yeah, nice. And then I love fiction, too, so I'm always reading fiction. Um Flannery mm. O'Connor is she's a American Southern writer. Um, she was Catholic. Mm. Um, she has a book called Wise Blood, which is probably my favorite book that I teach. Um, and the the main character is like trying to escape his belief in Jesus, um, and it's bizarre and like kind of dark and really funny. Um, but it points to like <laughs> really like True. yeah, it's it's weird. Like it's it's weird, um, but it's so good. Mm. Um, and it points to like. What like causes us to think about questions of significance? So I really like it because of that. Nice. Yeah. Okay, this sounds interesting. What was that first book called again? The first one, the Lewis one. The one about suffering. Uh, yep. The problem of pain. Mm, yeah. That sounds good. Yeah, it's yeah, really nice. good, and it's very short. It's it's like you know, kind of dense in terms of like you know, uh, yep. you think about it a lot, but it's it's short. Right. Okay. Nice. You you seem like as I see you seem like someone who reads a lot. Do you listen to podcasts a lot? I do. Like you were talking about your commute. Um, I have a really short commute oh, now, yeah. but there was one year where I had like an hour commute and I listened to a ton of podcasts. I should have been listening to the yeah. Bible probably nice. like you have. Wow. <laughs> I do not. I listen to the Bible on the way to work and then on the way back to, from work, I listen to podcasts. Okay, so cool. Get yeah. a bit of variety. But well, yeah. what, what sort of podcast are you into? What's your favorite? I mean, I like a lot of variety. Like I've listened to a lot of like crime ones lately. Right. Um, oh, but yep. Do you, uh, yeah, so like Serial, are you familiar? I see them, I see them on the top of the charts all the time. Or basically yeah. all the top podcasts are all just like crime stories. Right, But I don't listen to any. But I know. Well, there's a lot of, apparently there's a lot of popular ones. They're my, kind of mindless and suck you in. I, I enjoy, I enjoy those, right. get sucked into them. But also there's one that I really like. Um, she's a Christian podcaster, um, but her guests aren't always, she's not always dealing with Christianity. Annie F. Downs, um, and her podcast is called That okay. Sounds Fun. Um it's a good one. It's one mm. I really like. What's it about? Um, no, what's it about? 
it's like all over the place. Um, so she might have oh, okay. like a, nice. you know, like Harry Connick Jr. on to talk about music or she'll talk about like the Enneagram. Mm. Is the Enneagram big over there, by the okay. way? Are you familiar with it? Um, what is it? It's, a, it's <laughs> okay. kind of a personality thing. And everybody uh, everybody has a number like are you a nine or a two or uh, a five and it means something so it's like is it like a personality test sort of thing? yeah kind of it was apparently developed okay. by monks like hundreds of years ago uh, true. <laughs> but it's pretty interesting actually yeah i don't think i've i haven't heard anyone talk about it i know personality tests but not that yeah so there's actually some good good podcasts on the enneagram those are pretty interesting oh okay uh, and she has oh, nice. annie f downs has some on the enneagram that i like yeah um if you could have any mentor who's not god because that's cheating so if you could have any mentor mm. in the world dead or alive who would you choose obviously there's a lot of options but yeah i mean there are a lot like i you know i mentioned c.s lewis mm. is my favorite writer so like i think actually oh, yeah. having conversation with him would be amazing um but as far mm. as like a mentor i mean for me it's you know people who are mentors to me who have helped shape my spiritual life are people who like live lives of just faithful obedience um right. for me it would probably be like somebody like maybe um beth moore i don't know if you know that that name but she's a she's a christian mm -hmm. teacher um she's typically women's uh bible studies and things um and a writer uh, yeah. um but she i i think it would be it would be cool to kind of glean knowledge from her as as somebody who's like teaching and writing um somebody who's doing it on a larger scale like that would be would be really cool mm, nice well yeah okay that, i i haven't heard beth much looked her up I'm like, oh yeah cool um well anyway thanks for jumping on i think i've learned a lot you're very um, welcome. I think and a lot of people listening to this are going to learn a lot. I think this is actually really interesting. Um, where can people learn more about you? Like, where would you, if we could send links in the description or anything, where do you want people to learn more about you? Sure. Um, my ins Instagram's a good place, cope.carry. Mm. Um, I have links to stuff on there, yeah, books we'll and books. Yeah. Um, and then nice. I'm on Facebook as well. Um, those are probably two main platforms people can get a hold of me right now um mm. where where is your book sold just it's amazon. on it's on amazon yeah so um kindle and um paperback nice. kindle unlimited i don't do you guys do you, do you have access to that i've got a kindle uh, i don't want kindle, kindle like you can get subscription yeah i've got a kindle okay yeah so that's probably easier because i know again we, we, we talked about shipping mm. for things internationally but i think shipping costs are probably yeah can kindle lot, books are really good is What's Kindle Unlimited? Is that just like a Netflix Kindle, Kindle Unlimited? Yeah, they charge like a, I think it's a certain monthly rate and then you can read as much as you want for free. Oh, shoot. And I mean, okay. it's not free because you that. paid for the subscription, but you know. Right. It's yeah. a, it's a set lot, amount. Smart. Yeah. And then as an author, you can choose whether or not your book's part of Kindle Unlimited. Um, most uh, Most authors true. do put it on Kindle Unlimited, so okay nice well again thank you so much for jumping on i think a lot of people are going to take away a lot from this and i'll put links to everything where people can learn more about you and thank you again for jumping on you're very welcome thanks so much for having me i really did enjoy it
Hey, thanks so much for checking out this week's episode of the Son of Man podcast. I hope it brought you as much value as it did to me. And if you did enjoy it, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to this. It really helped more ambitious Christians just like yourself all around the world get some of this knowledge that we discussed today. Also, if you'd like to dive deeper into any of the topics we discussed today, I've actually got a free private Facebook group uh, that is filled with people just like yourself, people who are trying to achieve their God dreams, that you can head over. The link will be in the show notes or in the description below and go check that out. Anyway, guys, hope you have a great day. I'll be back here next time, same time, same place, next week. And I'll see you guys there. Peace out.